0: And welcome to the Breaking Up With Anxiety podcast. I am your host, the anxiety nutritionist, gut and hormonal health expert, yoga and meditation teacher, and cat mom, Taylor Jandro. And this podcast is designed to show you how to relieve and resolve your chronic anxiety through the powerful combination of food, lifestyle changes, targeted supplementation, gut and hormonal health optimization, nervous system regulation, yoga, meditation, mindset, lifestyle coaching, and more. And today we are finally back with part three of the Real Root Causes of Anxiety series. If you haven't listened to part one or part two yet, I highly recommend you pause this episode, go listen to those two, and then come back to this one there is a method to the madness. Part one, it's episode 11, and I cover in-depth gut health, nutrient deficiencies, and diet. And I also talk about trauma, but really specifically, I talk about the biology of trauma because that's really how I support somebody who has experienced trauma, specifically by addressing the way the body has been impacted after a traumatic experience has passed. So, four of the real root causes of anxiety were addressed in part one, episode 11. And then part two is episode 15, where I start to discuss the fifth root cause, lifestyle choices. And in that episode, I introduce eight kind of primary lifestyle choices, all of which will cost you zero dollars to implement. In part two, the last episode in this series, we talked about watching TV before bed, You know, exposing yourself to that blue light 60 to 90 minutes before bed and what you can do to mitigate that. Are you on your phone before bed first thing in the morning? What time are you going to bed? Why does that matter? How much sleep are you getting? What happens if you can't sleep? What happens if you're a mom and you want to sleep but you can't because of the season of life your children are in? We talked about breath work? And are you breathing properly? Most people are chest breathers. Do you have a mindfulness practice? Do you have a daily meditation practice? Do you have a daily breath work practice? And then today we're going to talk about probably my favorite thing ever to talk about, although I might say that a lot of things are my favorite things, and that is not not true. But lifestyle choice number four, do you practice cyclical living? Meaning, do you honor your female-specific hormones and adjust your food, your exercise, your boundaries, your time management, your energy around the four phases of your cycle? Are you overexercising? I see this a lot in the mental health space. So first, let me start by giving you a bird's eye view in case you've never heard of cycle syncing before. If you've been hanging out with me online for a while, you've heard of it. I talk about it all the time. It's how I live my life. Like I swear by this art, by this practice, by this Lifestyle, and I'm constantly trying to get all my girlfriends on board doing the same thing. Obviously, it's something that I teach in my Breaking Up with Anxiety group coaching program. I teach it in my workshops. It's a huge, 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 huge part of my life and part of my work. So, a hormonal imbalance is a symptom, it is not a root cause. I think a lot of people might be surprised when they're listening to this podcast series. And I'm talking about the real root causes of anxiety. And I haven't once said that hormones are a root cause and it's because they are not. This does not mean that we don't take your hormones into consideration. We absolutely do. But what we don't do is just start throwing like hormone balancing supplements at the body, like something for progesterone or estrogen, for example, This is a band-aid approach, and you won't find true resolution this way. The only way to find true resolution when hormonal imbalances are at play is by addressing the root causes of those hormonal imbalances, because hormones, when they are imbalanced, that is a symptom. They are not just deciding on their own that they want to act up. Something is triggering them to act a certain way. They are chemical messengers. And you know how that saying goes, don't shoot the messenger. (laughs) That's what's happening, though. We're blaming everything on our hormones, especially as women. They're just the poor messengers. They're just delivering a message. And we need to dig a little bit deeper and find out, well, why did this message go askew? So guess what the root causes of hormonal imbalances are? Diet, gut health lifestyle choices, nutrient deficiencies, stress management, and trauma. Ding, 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 ding. The exact same root causes of anxiety. And no, that is not a coincidence. That is just how the body works. Let's take your thyroid hormones for example. Your thyroid hormones play a role in your metabolic rate, your energy, your heart function, muscle function, digestive function, and they play a role in the activation of the nervous system. Now, your thyroid could be underactive or overactive. And this is something that is not caught early enough by the medical community because they aren't looking at subclinical function. They are only looking at pathology. So they are only looking at markers of disease does this person have the markers that I'm looking for to diagnose them with an autoimmune condition like Hashimoto's, like Graves' disease, like hypothyroid? And if not, if their blood markers are outside of optimal function, so what I would be looking at as a practitioner when I go through my client's blood work, if they are outside of those ranges, but they are not within the clinical diagnostic reference range of a marker of disease, they don't do anything because they're only going to take action on something that they can prescribe meds for. Again, I'm not like blanketing, blanket statementing or whatever the expression is, all doctors, but the vast majority of them are going to practice in this way. And there are many, many reasons that your thyroid could be underfunctioning or overfunctioning. So, hyperthyroid or hypothyroid. Hyper would be overfunctioning, hypo, slow would be underfunctioning. Stealth pathogens is huge, parasites, mold, heavy metals, bacteria imbalances, nutrient deficiencies like selenium, zinc, B vitamins, iodine vitamin C, stress so physical mental and emotional stress which we will talk about at nauseam when we get to the final part of our series when we talk about stress because physical mental and emotional stress is one of the real root causes of anxiety. So we'll put a pin in that for now. Undereating is huge for thyroid function and over-exercising. And oftentimes I see these paired together. I work with a lot of women with high-functioning anxiety and they are under the impression that to get, they need to eat 1200 calories a day and exercise a lot. And this is the messaging that women receive through the diet industry, that there's a lot of pressure on women to look a certain way And there's nothing wrong with wanting to look a certain way, but the messaging that the way to get to your fitness goals or your aesthetic goals or your body goals, or even your mental health goals, the answer is not under eating and over exercising. And this is actually very harmful for our hormones. Inflammation is a big one. Eating a lot of gluten is another one, adrenal dysfunction. So if something's going on with the thyroid, you can pretty much bet that your adrenals are involved. They are very much, they support each other within the body. And when one is underperforming, the other one is very closely related as well. And then energetically, your thyroid relates to communication and expression. Or on the flip side, the suppression of expression. So are you saying what you need to say? Are you saying what you actually want to say? Are you clearly communicating your needs and your boundaries? Do you even know what those are? The body keeps score of these energetic and emotional influences. And then this can impact our systems, our organs, different parts of our body. It's a really good book, by the way. I think I've mentioned it on multiple podcast episodes, but The Body Keeps Score. It's really good. So even if someone is diagnosed with hypothyroidism, for example, or Hashimoto's, and they're put on a medication like Synthroid, let's say, this still isn't addressing everything that I just mentioned. You still need to address the root causes of why something was going on with the thyroid in the first place. And A lot of the time what happens, and maybe you are a woman listening to this with an autoimmune condition or something with your thyroid, thyroid condition, and you have been put on thyroid medication like Synthroid, and your symptoms haven't really improved. They've continued to get worse. And I see this time and time and time again, and it's because the root causes are not being addressed. So please, 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 if you take anything away from this episode It's to stop just addressing hormones, but to actually dig deeper into why your hormones are out of whack. And one of the reasons that so many women are navigating these hormonal issues is because they have not been taught how to live in alignment with the cyclical energy of their hormones. This can literally be done from the minute you get your period through perimenopause and even post-menopause. It's still a beautiful practice. It just shifts a little bit based on what season of your life you are in. So here's the gist. There are four phases to your cycle, the follicular phase, ovulation, the luteal phase, and the menstrual phase. If we look at this through the lens of movement and exercise, because this is where I really see that women need the most support. So this specific episode is really going to focus on talking about cycle syncing, specifically from movement and exercise. But just know there are other pieces of this as well, like diet and energy. And I have a whole workshop on that. If you're interested, it's called the In Sync With Your Hormones Workshop. I'll link that in the show notes. So your follicular phase is after you bleed and right up until before ovulation. So in a balanced cycle, this is usually gonna be about seven to 10 days. And because of what is going on with your hormones at this time, your body is naturally burning fat and it's gonna gain lean muscle easier in this phase because testosterone is higher. So you can build your muscle more efficiently And every single woman listening should be thinking of building muscle. This is so, so, so important for your mental health. Your muscle is an endocrine organ, endocrine, endocrine, meaning hormones. So coming back to that follicular phase, if your blood sugar levels are stable in the follicular phase, you will have more energy and more stamina to push through Harder workouts. So, this is things like spin, boot camps, Orange Theory, those HIIT classes, CrossFit, heavier weight training, cardio, kickboxing, anything that's more high intensity, going for really long runs. But let me be very, very clear. I said in a balanced cycle. So, if you have chronic anxiety, your hormones are likely not balanced. Your adrenals, for sure needs some major support, and your blood sugar is likely dysregulated. So you can try higher intensity workouts in the follicular phase, even if you experience chronic anxiety, but I really recommend limiting that to 30 minutes max. And this is really gonna depend on the person and the level of adrenal dysfunction. I have worked with, I would say about 50% of my clients either use exercise as a way to help manage their anxiety because in the moment the exercise makes them feel really good and maybe for like an hour or like a little bit afterwards but then boom we're kind of right back to where we started and I'll talk about like why this is happening and then the other 50% they can't they avoid high, in- high intensity exercise because it starts to simulate the same sensations of having a panic attack you know your heart is racing, your heart's beating, and then automatically that just freaks you out because that is just way too close to what it feels like to have a panic attack and anxiety attack, which simulates a heart attack, right? So I really work with women who fall into two different camps and I'm not anti high intensity exercise. I think it's great, but I also think it needs to be done very strategically, even when Your hormones are balanced and everything is all la-di-da, rainbows and butterflies. You still need to be thinking of matching your exercise with your hormonal profile so that it doesn't create hormonal imbalances. If you want to understand a little bit more about potentially what stage of adrenal dysfunction you may fall into, it could be stage one, it could be stage two, it could be stage three. Then check out the episode that I did on burnout. It's called, it's episode seven, and it's called Crashing Into Burnout. Now, even in a balanced cycle, I just said this, but I just want to reiterate it and just make it like really clear and just take it up a notch here. Even in a balance cycle, you want to be mindful of those plyometric movements, like those explosive movements, a few days before and after ovulation. So things like burpees, jumping squats, sprinting, like anything explosive like that. The reason for this, and really in our reproductive years, our tendons and our ligaments will change over the course of the month based on our estrogen levels. So when estrogen is high, our ligaments will get looser and the tendons are gonna get stiffer. So this actually makes us more flexible around ovulation and less flexible at menstruation. Once you start tuning in and tracking this and and really understanding where you are in your cycle, it's really interesting to, to feel the shifts in your body. and not to make that mean anything about you or where you are like in a yoga practice. For example, I'm, I've been practicing yoga since 2011. I'm a yoga teacher, meditation teacher, but first and foremost, I'm really just a student of yoga forever. And uh, the yoga practice, the physical and the spiritual practice is a huge part of my life. And before I learned this information, I used to judge myself when My practice would look different every time I came to the mat, or maybe based on where I was in my cycle. Like sometimes I would be so flexible and doing all these things, and then other times I would be so tight. And I couldn't understand why that was happening. I couldn't understand what was going on. And I mean, part of the spiritual practice of yoga is understanding that a lot of your yoga practice mimics life and you're going to show up differently every single day. And that has to be okay. That gets to be okay. It's a very humbling experience, especially if you're practicing, you know, five, six days a week, which for the longest time, that's what I was doing and to have your practice look different instead of just this, it improves and it obviously goes upwards, but it's really like every time you come to the mat, it's a little bit different But again, from a physical perspective, a little bit of what was happening was what was going on with my estrogen and where I was in my cycle. I was sharing this with one of my clients and she was, I guess, talking to her mom or her sister or somebody and sharing this information with them. And the mom was saying, that's so interesting because she's had a few sports-related or fitness-related injuries over the years. And if she thinks back... Because she was always somebody who she wasn't on birth control, like the mom, and she was very kind of in tune. She at least understood when she was ovulating. And she says, you know, when I look back, those injuries would have been around ovulation. So the second week of our cycle is when we see the highest rise in estrogen, just before we ovulate. This, the purpose of this surge in estrogen, is to encourage the swelling or the maturation of the follicle and follicle and the egg and then this hormonal shift is what makes our ligaments lax and our tendons stiff so during this time because our ligaments which is bone to bone okay ligaments is what connects bone to bone tendon connects bone to muscle they're more susceptible to injury at this time So we're gonna back off the explosive movements. And because our tendons, so bone to muscle, are more stiff, this makes it an excellent time for lifting weights because your tendons help you to maintain joint stability and prevent injuries under tension. This also means that this is gonna change when we are postmenopausal. So we are more prone to muscle injuries versus Legament industries in the postmenopausal season of our life, even in the perimenopausal, because of the decline in estrogen that's happening in the body. So, let's talk about the luteal phase or luteal phase. I honestly don't know which one it is. I call it luteal. I hear tons of other people call it luteal. We've already established that I don't always pronounce things properly, <laughs> but as long as people know what I'm talking about, that's good. So in a balanced cycle this should be our longest phase it's going to be about 10 to 14 days and it can it's divided into two parts so in the first half the first 5ish days after you ovulate estrogen and testosterone are still elevated and progesterone's now starting to rise in a balanced cycle you will still have a lot of energy but you will want to switch the focus from the high impact exercises to strength training, especially when that estrogen is elevated. In the second half of your luteal phase, estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone are gonna start to decline. So you want to switch your exercises to more flexibility, slowing down um pilates yoga walks hiking your metabolism this is where I get a lot of pushback because people are like I can't slow down my exercise because I have these weight loss goals or these body aesthetic goals or you have to show up the same way every single day to get the results you want and that is not true especially in a female body with female hormones But what's naturally happening in your body at this time is your metabolism is actually speeding up. It's naturally burning more calories. So if you continue with that intense exercise, this is actually working against your metabolism, which is going to increase the level of stress hormones in the body. The more stress hormones we have in the body, the less resilience we have to mental and emotional stressors the more anxiety we're gonna experience, and this is actually gonna increase our fat storage and our muscle wasting, when the goal is to build more muscle and for some, fat loss. More, co- more cortisol, so your stress hormone, is a really big problem if there's adrenal dysfunction, which there is if you have chronic anxiety. Also, during the second half, of this phase, estrogen, testosterone, and blood sugar levels drop, which decreases energy. This doesn't mean that you should be feeling put out and exhausted and that you have no energy. If that's how you feel, that would be a sign of an imbalance. Naturally, yes, your energy is starting to weaned down, This phase is fall. So the follicular phase is spring. We've just come out of winter. Winter is our menstrual phase. We come into our follicular phase. We spring, we have more energy. We're starting to do things. We're starting to get out and about. Ovulation is like summer party time. We're feeling super social. We want to connect. And then the luteal phase. So after we've ovulated before we bleed, this is fall and Where I live, we have a really short summer. And so summer is always so busy. It's so hectic that by the time fall comes around, I was just talking to two of my girlfriends about this yesterday. Every year we have the same conversation. Come summertime, summer is so busy. And every year we're like, we want to enjoy summer more. Like We want to really slow down and soak up summer so that when September comes, we're, we don't feel exhausted and ready for summer to be over and ready to hibernate because September is usually still a little, it's still decently warm. It's not summer, but it's still quite warm. But every fall I am exhausted and I'm just like, I need to go hermit myself. Is it almost winter? And that's essentially what's happening in the body as well naturally, your body wants to turn inwards for a little bit. So the luteal phase is fall, we're starting to slow down, we're starting to prioritize rest. And if you don't prioritize rest during this time, and you push through it, that's when you will feel exhausted. And that's when we're going to see an increase in anxiety, mood swings, irritability, and even PMS symptoms. And then also you're going to be more prone to injury at this time. And then we have our menstrual phase. Winter, the sacred bleed. Your hormones are the lowest here. Your energy is the lowest. Again, you shouldn't feel exhausted and just put out and irritable and snapping at everybody if you are. It's not just because you're bleeding or just your hormones. It's because likely you weren't honoring the energetic shifts and the the movement and the exercise shifts and the dietary shifts that our female body requires during the four seasons, the four phases of our cycle that it's going through every single month. So because your hormones are at the lowest, your energy is lower. If you start doing high intensity exercise at this time, if you're just trying to push through it, this is gonna turn on your stress hormones turn up your stress hormones, turn on your fat-storing hormones, and again, cause that muscle wasting, which is not what we want. And it's going to put stress on the cardiovascular system. So menstrual phase, this is a time for restorative activities only. Less social. This Feeling less social is super normal. I actually love my bleed because it's just kind of, it's just my me time. I just, I don't make any plans. Obviously if it so happens that a wedding or something falls on my menstrual phase, I'm obviously going to (laughs) go. But for the most part, I make no plans. I honor the fact that my energy is lower. I sleep in. It's the only time that I get up at five, I feed my cats and I go back to bed and I let that be so nourishing for my body. I'm bleeding. I literally just grew and now I'm shedding an organ, the endometrial lining. So my body needs a little bit of extra support and I'm going to honor that. It needs deep rest and nourishment. So I slow down. What is not normal is to be exhausted and depleted of energy, feeling like you need to just push through your days or push through your workouts. So I'm going to give an example of how I cycle sync my exercise to hopefully provide some more clarity and context. So the first two days of my bleed, day one and day two, I'm chilling. I'm going for walks. I'm doing maybe 10K in steps, Um, maybe some light stretching. I might go to a yin yoga class or a restorative yoga class. Um, But really my focus is on getting those 10K steps. And that's a lot. Like if you've ever tried to walk 10K, it's about an hour and a half, two hours. Um, So I might split that up into two walks or I might go for one big long walk. But you're still moving. I still have the energy to do that. I'm not like dying in bed or on the couch. I just want to be alone. I just kind of want to be with myself. And I, I prefer it that way around my bleed. So my first two days are like that. And then... Day three is when my bleed starts to get lighter and my energy starts to pick up. So I'm coming into my I'm in my follicular phase now. This is when I'll do spin. I'll go really heavy on the weights, so I'll do heavier weights, less reps. I'm still going for my walks outside that it should always still be the priority. And if I am going to some power yoga classes, that's when i'm putting them in those more power yoga classes at this time then the day after or a few days after i ovulate based on my energy and i know exactly when i ovulate because i've been taking my basal, basal body temperature for oh gosh like almost 6 years now i i know all the primary and the secondary signs and i except when i got the vaccine which threw my cycle off for a little bit my cycle has been exactly the same and consistent for you know 5 or 6 years so the day after or a few days after i ovulate based on my energy and based on my post workout recovery i will still do my strength training but i will go lighter on my weights and i'll increase my reps the closer i get to my bleed Again, daily walks, always Pilates. So I'll do either the reformer Pilates classes with those machines uh, or Pilates at home with like little ankle weights and stuff. And then more of the flowy, stretchy yoga classes versus the power yoga classes. And I will do this until about five days before my bleed, because that's when I notice a shift in my energy and my energy starts to dip. I'm probably going to sound like a broken record, but I just want to make it really clear that I still have energy. I'm not exhausted, but there is a shift in my energy and I do honor that. I don't look at it as a weakness. It's just like the seasons of the year. People are called in to stay in more in the winter, right? They hibernate a little bit. Same thing with our bleed. It's our time to go inwards, to build self-awareness, to build self-acceptance and to begin to harness the magical energy of our cycle. And I think that's empowering as shit. Self-awareness and self-acceptance are all soft skills that we need to be working on. And our female hormones teach us this if you are willing to receive the lessons. It might sound far-fetched and when I was reflecting back on this before hitting record you know like all the things I've learned and all the ways that cycle thinking and living this way living in tune with my cycle living in harmony with my hormones everything that it's really kind of taught me it's it's kind of wild like I feel like it's you know really helped me it's giving me this major sense of understanding and oneness, like a true partnership with my body. Like I really, I never feel like my body is against me. I never feel, I just feel a sense of oneness and wholeness and like love and understanding. And I'm doing everything I can do within my capacity and my power and reality. And sometimes that changes based on some, you know, external pressures or whatever is going on for me that week. But for the most part, I am, it's just become how I live. Like I always call it an art, the art of cycle syncing, because it is because I can give you the, the foundation and I can tell you do this, do this, do this. But it really, what it comes down to is you practicing and practicing and learning to really tune in and understand what it feels like in your body to live in alignment with your hormones and then what it feels in your body to live out of alignment with your hormones and compare that and contrast it and try things and and tweak and adjust. And and that's something that's a really beautiful practice to do during the menstrual phase as well. Um, And I talk about this a lot when I talk about the small kind of energetic shifts that you can make lifestyle choices boundaries you can set up based on where you are in your cycle. One of the things I love to do in my menstrual cycle because our our awareness, our level of like awareness and our intuition is very heightened at this time. It's a really good time to just reflect back on the last cycle and you know what worked for me, what didn't work, like are there ways that I could have communicated things better, like communicated what I needed better to my partner, to my family, to my friends, to the people in my life my clients, you know, like, are there boundaries that needed to be enforced? How did I feel? Did I like that? Um, is there things I didn't like and, and not coming from a place of judgment, but just curiosity and like, how can I take these lessons and bring them into the next cycle and then making one or two tweaks and then reevaluating again. And you're just constantly, constantly tuning in and listening to your body and evaluating and like, making adjustments and and not in a way where it's like oh my gosh this is never ending but you you're living in this body for the rest of your life like don't you want to understand it and don't you want to know how to best support it so that you can reap the benefits of that that your mental health can reap the benefits of that that you can have no anxiety no panic no depression that you can have energy like that you can sleep so well, that you have no digestive issues, that you have stronger stress resilience. And honestly, that's been something, the resilience and the adaptability that I have, that I have built such a solid foundation of through this practice of cycle sinking. Like you really understand yourself. You you learn from your quote unquote failures. You learn to navigate setbacks. You adapt to changing circumstances and and really learn to kind of cultivate this positive and growth-oriented mindset. Yes, my cycle has taught me all of those things. It's taught me so much about stress management. It's taught me so much about leadership, like effective leadership, because I'm living my life in a different way than a lot of people are. And I've had have a lot of conversations with people about that. It's strengthened my relationships in so many ways. Uh, It's increased my confidence. Like I feel like I can go on and on and on. But Getting back to kind of the little nuanced way that I make this work for me. So, follicular phase, think of springtime. You're out of winter. My energy is obviously starting to pick up. Around day three, that's when I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go. Um, So, this is what I'll do. Spin. I'll do yoga. Again, more like the power yoga. Um, I will do weights, and I'll still go for my daily walks outside. And then after I've ovulated in the first half of my luteal phase, this is when I switch again based on my energy. I'm always listening to my energy, I'm always listening to the cues and the information that my body is sending me. And things I'm looking at is my sleep, um, you know, my mood, my irritability, my energy, um, and my post-workout recovery is huge. Um, so usually I'm good until about five days prior to my bleed. And that's when I really start to switch it and go yoga, daily walks, Pilates. This is what I'll really be focusing on at this point. I'm not doing spin and I'm not lifting heavy, heavy weights. I might still lift a little bit, but I'm going lighter, like way lighter on the weights. And then I'm just doing more reps. And then so around that five days before bleed in the first two days of my bleed. So it's around a seven day window again, based on kind of my energy, this is where I'm really focusing on walks. So getting that, that 10 K steps a day, yin yoga, maybe a restorative yoga class, or I'll maybe do like tune up with the tune up balls or stretching at home, more baths, more rest, more journaling, more taking time to myself and really making that a priority. I'm, Usually we'll go to a yoga class during this time, and I have zero problem like modifying the class. Like I have zero problem doing my own thing and not doing what the teacher's cueing, not doing what everybody else around me is doing. Not everybody is going to feel comfortable doing that. But for me, I'm just like if I see a power yoga class like on the schedule but I'm not doing power yoga because I'm close to my bleed, also go and I'll just modify. I have zero problem with that. But I've also, I'm also a teacher and I've been doing yoga for a really long time and nobody has said anything, nobody has ever. And I know a lot of the yoga teachers. I know I've been going to the same studio forever. I used to work for that company. Um, So I know a lot of people in the class. I know a lot of the teachers. Nobody has ever said to me, not once, has said like, oh, why were you doing something different? Nobody cares. It's your Practice. But if you're not comfortable doing that, then you know, stick to if you do like those group classes or you do have a yoga membership or stuff like that, then get a little bit more customized on like what kind of class it is based on where you are in your cycle. But, and this is a big but, 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 I went into stage three adrenal dysfunction, stage three burnout in august of 2022 so it's june 2023 when i'm recording this and i would say it probably was about like seven months for me to fully 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 pull me out and so my exercise and my movement looked dramatically different from what i just explained this is what i just explained like what i do in follicular the first half of luteal and the second half of luteal first two days of bleed situation. That's what I had been doing for years and years and years until I went into burnout. And again, that was one of the main things I had to look at and I had to adjust was the amount of movement I was getting and the intensity of the movement I was getting. I just went back to spin like a month ago, two months ago. Yeah, maybe like six weeks ago. I brought back in 20 minute weighted workouts to start. Um, I started to bring that back in in January. About two to three times a week. But even then I had to go really slow. Um, I had to look at the other factors and the other symptoms, like my post-workout recovery, like my mood, my irritability, like how well I, cause my, like I work multiple jobs, so I can get My work situation can lead to overwhelm quickly if I let it lead to overwhelm quickly. And obviously I'm a human. Sometimes I feel overwhelmed. But for the most part, it takes a lot to make me feel overwhelmed. It takes a lot to make me feel stressed. That was one of the big red flags for me that I was going into burnout was because my stress resilience had majorly, majorly gone down. So I look at those things when I'm trying to make decisions about if my exercise is actually serving me or if it's actually maybe making a hormonal imbalance work, worse or making a digestive imbalance worse. I tried at one point to do four times a week and my body was like, nope. So I'm just maybe two weeks ago, uh, I did my first full one hour like heavy weight class again. And It had been what, seven or eight months since I had done that. Do you think that was easy? No, it was not easy to all of a sudden shift and change the way I moved and exercised because I love that. It's cathartic for me in so many ways. I genuinely love my movement practice and my exercise practice, but I make these decisions that I maybe don't want to make, for the benefit of my health, because I know that that is benefiting me in the long run. And it doesn't have to be a forever thing. It's an adjustment for a little bit until other things get back on track. I just like got my yoga studio membership again. I wasn't even doing like full hot yoga classes for a while. I was just doing like little things here and there, like at home. So now I'm back to the full classes, maybe two to three times a week. I'm still walking every single day that never changed. I always still went for my walks. So now my exercise looks a little bit different, um, but I will be working my way back to that, that old routine that I described. Cause that's, that's what I genuinely love. But right now I'm still doing my daily walks. I'm doing maybe 30 minutes of weights about three times a week. Um, and again, adjusting that based on where I am with my cycle. So in the follicular, it's heavier weights, less reps. And in my luteal, it's lighter weights with more reps. And then no weights um, as I come up to my bleed and no weights in those first two days of menstrual. I'll go to a Pilates, like a reformer Pilates class or something like that in the late luteal phase. And yoga is every single week. Back at that now and spin, but only in follicular. So I'm like almost back to where I was. Hopefully this kind of highlights for you how very nuanced this work can get. And it's gonna look a little bit different for you than it is for me. It's just really important to learn how to tune into your body and read the signals your body is telling you so that you can adapt and adjust these principles and make them work for you. So if you want to dive deeper into this work, so I'm probably gonna wrap it up here soon. Um, I did a podcast all about this on my girlfriend Erin's podcast called The School of Ritual. And the podcast episode was called Cycle Sinking, Lunar Energy, and the Seasons Within. And I'm going to put the link in the show notes. It can be found on my website. I have all the podcasts that I've been on, including all my podcasts. So it's just really easy for people to find. I will link that in the show notes. And I also talked about this on my other podcast, the Just Winging It podcast, which if you don't know, is a podcast specifically for entrepreneurs with anxiety and big freaking dreams that I co-host with my friend Jess. And that episode can be found on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And it's season one, episode five, and it's called Hormonal Alignment Equals Business Growth. I'll also link that in the show notes. And then of course, if you really want to dive into how to eat and how to exercise in a way that supports your hormones and releases anxiety. I have my In Sync with Your Hormones workshop. This isn't $0 like everything else I've spoken about, but it is very low cost, 97 bucks, and it covers the unique hormonal fluctuations. So the four unique hormonal fluctuations that women go through every month and how this is either going to create or release anxiety I talk about how to actually accurately test your hormones, what blood work markers to ask for, why it's so hard to get this blood work from your doctor, and other things you can do if you are getting pushback from your doctor. That workshop covers in depth the powerful practice of cycle thinking, not only to release your anxiety, but to skyrocket your energy, to bring your libido back, to help you sleep really well, to support your gut health, to boost productivity and just to help you navigate the stressors of life with a lot more ease. We cover the critical role that um, diet and the right kind of exercise plays in in supporting your female-specific hormones, obviously, but also the role that's gonna play in soothing the nervous system. I got a lot of questions. you know, What can I do for nervous system support or nervous system regulation besides breath work? Cycle syncing figuring out what's going on with your hormones and living in alignment with your hormones is huge for your nervous system. And of course, I'm going to link that in the show notes. And then of course, of course, I will teach you how to do this in the breaking up with anxiety group coaching program. If that is something you're interested in and you want my actual direct, like one-on-one feedback and support as you try to implement this in your life, That is where you would go for that. But since I said I will share with you all the zero-cost things, Alyssa Vitti uh, has written two books on this topic that I'm sure you can get from the library for free. Uh, My friend actually has it on hold right now. She's like on a wait list for it at the library. So the books are Woman Code and In the Flow. She was my very first introduction many, many, many moons ago to cycle syncing. And since then I have just been diving deeper and deeper and deeper into the research, putting it into practice in my own life, helping my friends do the same, obviously helping all of my clients do the same. So my InSync workshop is everything that I have learned. And yes, I pay for, you know, spin classes. I pay for a yoga membership, but you could YouTube so many different types of free workouts, and also walking is free, which brings me to the next lifestyle choice. Lifestyle choice number five, are you getting outside every single day for natural sunlight daily? And are you going for daily walks? And since we are on the conversation of movement and exercise. And I have a few minutes left. I will wrap up this episode by just talking a little bit about my obsession with daily walks. The first thing everyone probably thinks of when I say, are you getting natural sunlight daily is the vitamin D, which yes, is very important, but you're probably still deficient in vitamin D, even if you go outside every single day. So you do really want to be getting that tested and supplement accordingly. But exposing ourselves to sunlight daily is going to help boost serotonin levels, which is our happy neurotransmitter that also plays a role in sleep and appetite. It's also going to help us regulate our cortisol levels, so our stress hormones. The higher your cortisol levels, the more anxious you are going to feel. Daily sunlight exposure is so, 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 so important to sleep. If you are struggling to sleep, you need to look at your entire day. You need to look at... Your like bedtime routine literally starts when you wake up. So getting as much natural sunlight on you as possible, even if that means just stepping outside onto a patio or a porch or even just standing in front of a window, this is really going to help to regulate the body's circadian rhythm, which is your sleep-wake cycle. Your sleep quality does not just involve your evening habits and avoiding electronics and all the things that I talked about on the last the last episode in this series. It very much starts the moment you wake up. And another key factor here is not reaching for your phone right away and going into that scroll hole for 30 minutes. If you can get outside for a walk before noon, amazing. If you can't, go for a walk when you can, but at least when you wake up, Within that first half an hour to an hour, can you get some sunlight exposure? And exposure to sunlight is going to help to reduce inflammation in the body. And if you've listened to any other episode I've done on this podcast, you know how important reducing inflammation is for your mental health. Prioritize walking over any other type of exercise to start. Okay, so if you're like, well, I want to do yoga and I want to lift weights and I want to do HIIT and I want to do spin or whatever it is that you want to do, but you're not walking every day, get in the habit of walking every single day first. Later, when you have a solid walking routine, then you can add in something else. I'm always going to suggest that it be weights next, weightlifting three to four times a week, but start with building a daily walking habit first and a lot of people don't want to do this and I actually got really really triggered by a conversation in my dms that I had a while back where I was I was basically somebody was interested in joining breaking up with anxiety but they were just saying like the things they didn't want to do and they've been following me for a while so they see what I talk about and they were basically saying like in the winter they will not go outside for a walk every single day like they refuse they just won't and that like really triggered me because and our triggers never have anything to do with the person ever I want to make that very clear our triggers always have to do with our own stuff so why did that conversation bother me and I asked like is it because you can't like do you have an injury do you have something that is keeping you from walking and you know the answer was basically just like no it's just cold I don't want to go outside There's no such thing as bad weather, just bad gear. Bundle up, get your little butt outside. But the reason that that triggered me so much is because being able to move your body and being able to go for a walk is a privilege. There are a lot of people who would do anything to be able to be to be able to be more physically active every day. And my aunt is one of those people. She was in a terrible car accident before I was even born. She was in her early twenties she was in school to be a nurse and she was it was the winter she was driving home with a friend from school for the Christmas holidays and they were in a very bad accident and my aunt has been completely paralyzed ever since she cannot walk um she she can't she can't do like she can barely talk um like she her life completely changed that day. And so I get upset when people who have the, and again, this is my own stuff. Okay. But when people have the ability and the, the privilege of being able to move their body and go for a walk and they're not going out for their walk, when like my aunt and somebody that I've grown up with and somebody that I love will never be able to do that ever and would give anything to be able to stand up and go for like a 20 minute walk it just like really bothers me (laughs) I guess when I it just bothers me I guess when people don't see being able to move your body as the amazing privilege it is and, and so many people take that for granted and I just really really hope that if you are able to move your body, that you do move your body as much as you possibly can while respecting your hormones, of course, because you just never know, you know, like when that could be taken away. So all of that to say, walking every day has endless benefits for your gut health, for your mental health, for your immune health, hormonal health, for balancing blood sugar, for reducing inflammation for sleep quality. The list truly goes on and on and on. I'm sure there are full-on books on walking because you could probably write like an entire book about it. Remember all those hormones that I was talking about in um, part two of this podcast series? So I talked about insulin, cortisol, thyroid, estrogen, your adrenals, and I talked about a lot of those today as well. Those are all positively benefited From a daily walk. So, if you're looking to balance your hormones, if you're looking to bring your hormones into alignment, start looking at your daily habits and your daily lifestyle choices. And this is going to get you a heck of a lot further than just throwing some hormone balancing supplements or even medication at the issue. You can't use medication or just fix or just use supplements to fix a lifestyle problem. Okay. I'm going to pause here today and then we're going to have a part four because I'm still not done. (laughs) Hopefully we'll wrap this up in a part four, but maybe there'll be a part four and a part five. We'll see. And that is a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I have one quick favor to ask you before you go. If you love today's episode, I would so appreciate if you left a review on whatever podcast platform you are listening to right now. My goal with this podcast is to reach as many people as possible to spread awareness that anxiety is not this incurable disease. It's not something we just have to live with. It's definitely not just part of your personality. And there are body-based imbalances that need to be addressed in order to truly be free from chronic anxiety. With awareness comes action and the more people this podcast can reach the less people will struggle with anxiety and positive reviews are the number one way to help new people discover the show. You are the best. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you so 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 much. One last thing, my legal medical disclaimer. The Breaking Up With Anxiety podcast with me, Taylor Jandro, is for general information and educational purposes only, and the advice and recommendations I give or my guests give throughout the episodes do not replace medical advice. The consumption of this podcast does not qualify as a practitioner-client relationship with me, and the use and implementation of the information discussed are at the sole discretion of the listener. Yes, I am a nutritionist, but I am not your nutritionist. So please discuss any changes with your primary healthcare provider. Okay, that's it. Until the next episode. Bye for now.